But we're glad you're here this morning. I'm excited we get to worship together and celebrate together and just sing and, and all that sort of thing. I'm going to ask you to join me in prayer before we look at 2 Peter chapter 1 again this week. Father, I want to praise you and thank you for the morning. God, your word teaches us not to count on tomorrow. And yet we woke up this morning and it was here. And you were here, and you meet us. And so, God, we thank you that we can gather and celebrate and worship and come into this place and sing praise. Uh, God, we just want to draw near to you today. Your word teaches us that as we draw near to you, you draw near to us. And so, so we want to draw near. We want to know your presence, not simply in the room, but in our lives. And so, God, we give you praise this morning for that. Thank you for Peter. Thank you for the things that he learned by walking with Jesus. Thank you that he... Uh, by inspiration of your spirit, has shared those things with us. God, now help us to learn what Peter learned and what Peter knew. And we just pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. So I want you to remember this word, and I told you back there that, that, that I wanted this word to become uh, important this morning. When you hear the word precious, what do you think of? We're going to have some audience participation this morning. You ready? And the first person that says Hobbit, I'm going to throw a hymnal at. <laughs> oh, that was y'all up there, right? When, when you hear the word precious, just generically in English language, what do you think of? Somebody over here. Grandchildren. Grandchildren. Okay, the object of, yes, okay. Something else, precious. Somebody over here. Wife. Wife. Maria, you watching? Did you hear that? Okay, just making sure she got that, Will. All right, somebody else over here? B Benny? Wife? Did you say wife? Oh, see there. See there, that's one of those things where in high school you go, she took my answer, right? I'm just kidding, Louie. All right, Benny, yeah. You renamed Karen Precious? Okay. All right, so, so see, what, we've, what we're expressing are those things that are precious. When you hear the word precious, what does it mean? Endearing. Valuable. Anybody want to add? All right, so if you look it up from the Greek word, and I didn't write the Greek word down, because guess what? None of us speak Greek. The translation or the definition of the Greek word is just simply... Um, being of considerable value. Considerable value. Uh, that makes it precious to us. It makes it valuable to us. It makes it important to us. Man, I've had a blast over the last few weeks because, um, and Kayla, I'm talking about you and Zach right now, but one of the fun things that I've been able to do over the last few weeks is get some folks ready for, for marriage. And the very, the second conversation I have with couples getting ready for married is, what's important? I love asking people what's important to them. What, what do you value? Let's say, hmm, what, first in your life? What's the most important thing to you? Now, all right, guys, we're giving you an out right now. So if wives are watching online and, and, and your wife is not the absolute most important thing to you, it's okay. It's okay. Because according to God's word, there is something, actually someone, who is meant and supposed to be most important to us. And that's God. 
You see? So today I want to read, it's quite a lengthy little passage for me. I don't usually read this much because then I get caught trying to chase it all down. But beginning, and I'm going to start with, with you don't have this, John, so don't worry about it, but I, I need to say it because in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 2, it says, To those who have received a faith equal to ours through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ, may grace and peace be multiplied to you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Now listen to what it says in verse 3. Here you go. His divine power has given us everything required for life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. Now look back at what it said in verse 2. May grace and peace be multiplied to you through the knowledge of our God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us everything required for life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us by his own glory and goodness. So here's the question this morning I want to start with, and it's not what's important to you. The question is, why do I need God? You know, we're all in, in worship this morning. We're all here because we have faith in Jesus and, and, and this relationship with God through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And, and we gather as what most are comfortable calling the church. Uh, and, and so we come together. And for me to ask that question, why do I need God, sounds almost nonsense in a gathering like this, right? Why would Pastor Bobby ask that question? Right? Why do I need God? And so, so when we look at this thing, because last week's message is entitled, Life's Tough, I Need God. This week's message is titled, Life's, Life's Tough, Great and Precious Promises. Okay, guess what? Mm, life's tough. Remember in 1 Peter, uh, Peter warned them that fiery trials were coming. Guess what? By the time he writes 2 Peter, fiery trials are here. Uh, we encounter hardship. We encounter difficult days. I love it when, when uh, you know, uh, older Christians say to me, say, I just don't understand how anybody could live without God. You know what? Much of the world lives without God. You see? Now that's the challenge for you and I, is that we're supposed to be the ambassadors, the emissaries. We're supposed to be the ones going into the world, first of all, and showing people the difference God makes in who we are. But if we look like the world, we've got an identity issue. Okay? Why do I need God? Well, Guess what? Uh, the Bible tells us God's, His divine power has given us everything required for life and godliness. So, so I need God for life. You know, if I want to enjoy the abundance of God's creation, if I want to enjoy the abundance of fellowship with my Creator, I need God. It's difficult to deny God and enjoy the blessings of God. And yet the world's doing it all around us. You know? So, so why do I need God? Well, guess what? This was the first three-letter sentence that I wrote down this week in preparing for this. He's Father. He is Father. Three words. I contractualized it just a minute ago. He is Father. He's my dad. He's my heavenly dad. Now, I, I had the opportunity to go visit my mom and dad Tuesday. 
And my mom really, and, and my sister's watching. Hi, Mel. Happy, tell Dad Happy Father's Day for me. Thank you. Uh, she lives up there next to him. And so I got to visit with them. And, and my mom loves to ask me Bible questions. I don't know. I guess she figured she paid for my education. She should benefit from it. I don't know. Uh, anyway, so she asks me Bible questions. So we end up getting into this hour-long conversation Tuesday morning, just or no, it was afternoon. Tuesday afternoon, just just discussing the Bible, and 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 one question and, and kind of a conversation would lead to another question, then the conversation. It just kept rolling that way and rolling that way. And yet there's an illustration that I share with my mom for the very first time. My dad was sitting there, but dad tends to get in his recliner and he doesn't hear everything going on in the room. Generally has something to do, not with his ears, but his eyes. They're closed. Uh, it's okay. He's 83. He's allowed or 82. Well, here you go. <clears throat> my dad, I know people have different different descriptions of their relationship with their dad. Uh, and I don't want to over-dramatize my relationship with my dad. There were times my dad disciplined me. I've told y'all before in the seventh grade when he whooped that belt out. Yeah, I remember those things, right? But my dad, when I look back over my 58 years, my dad has been a great dad. But he's not perfect. You know, he's made some, he'll tell me, he say, son, I'm sorry about all the mistakes I made raising you. And I go, you know what, Pop? I don't remember them. Thank you very much. He's a great dad. I still have a great relationship with my dad. But do you know that my relationship with my dad is different from my sister's relationship with my dad? Is that acceptable? Now, he's the same person. But, but I'm going to go ahead and be honest with you. His little girl is precious to him. Okay? Now, if she could call in and make a comment, she'd probably. <laughs> but here you go. See, that, that dad-daughter-mama-son thing certainly comes into play in our family. Right? My dad's a great dad. Earl's a great dad. He's a great dad to me. He's a great dad to my sister. But he's not perfect. His relationship with me is different from his relationship with his daughter. Now, think about a perfect father. There's only one. That's God the Father. And God the Father has a relationship with every one of His children. Here's the challenge. What kind of child are we? What kind of child are we to our Heavenly Daddy, Heavenly Father? I mean, I know for years I was a rebellious child. You know, you stomp your feet and go, you can't tell me what to do. I know if I'd said that to my to Earl, what I'd have gotten. Right? But you think about it. Why do I need God? He is Father. He has provided everything that we need for life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. And then it goes on to say this, by these, His glory and goodness, by these, His glory and goodness, He has given us very great and precious promises. All right, so, um, growing up, you know, I remember, uh, I remember my first car. It was a hand-me-down. It was a Chevy Vega. I've told you all about it before. It was nothing 
to be very proud of at times, especially when one of the cylinders fouled, one of the plugs fouled. My dad gave it to me. Gave me his old Vega, or mom's old Vega, right? Yay! I remember putting one, two, three, four majorettes from band in it. We're going to get something at the convenience store, and it fouled a plug. <laughs> and we're going toward the convenience store up a hill at like 30 miles an hour, and that's as fast as it would go. And all of them chimed in together. This this is a this is a question of my pride. This is a wound that I'm going back to. All those majors go, what's wrong with your car? It's a Vega. What else can I say? I mean, good gracious alive, right? But my dad, my dad provided for me. God has provided for you. Why do you need God? God has given you everything you need for life and godliness. And yet, we're such a, yeah, we approach God with such an entitlement mentality. We go, well, what about this, God? Well, what about that, God? God says, look, I gave it all to you. You see, he has given us precious promises. Precious meaning being of considerable value. So what do I need from God? What are these promises that he's offered to me? Look at this. It says, his divine power. Man, there's a song that I love. Every time the band sings, any band here at the gathering that sings, man, I just, ah, I'm screaming this song. The same power that raised Jesus from the grave abides in me by the Spirit of God. It's God's divine power that He's poured into me for life and godliness. I can't do it on my own. I'm a flawed, broken, uh, pretty rebellious individual all by myself. God has given me everything I need. By these, He has given us His great, given us very great and precious promises so that through them, you may share in the divine nature, escaping the corruption that is in the world because of evil desire. See, that, 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 that's the rest of verse 4. What is he saying right there? He's saying, look, I have provided for your righteousness. It's a great and precious promise. I have provided for your salvation. It's a great and precious promise. I have provided for your redemption. It's a great and precious promise. I have provided for your regeneration, your sanctification, ultimately your glorification. Right now, we see through a glass dimly, but one day we'll see face to face. We'll be in the presence of Jesus. I love all these intellectuals go, yes, when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask him. I go, no, you're not. You're going to fall flat of your face. You're going to be in the presence of the glory of God, and you're not going to know how to act. Right? So what do I need from God? I need the power of His Spirit alive in me that I might live, that I might have abundant life, that I might enjoy the great and precious promises that God has given me. You see, I'm telling you, the world is dark and dismal. It's broken and fallen. You see? Listen to verse 5 because it, it goes on. For this very reason, because God has given us everything we need for life and godliness. 
For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith. Now, I want to stop right there just a minute because I want you to hear what he's saying. He's saying, inasmuch as it depends on you, at every opportunity that you have to make a choice, to have an attitude, to engage in activity, supplement your faith with goodness. Goodness with knowledge. Knowledge with self-control. Self-control with endurance. Endurance with godliness. Godliness with brotherly affection. And brotherly affection with love. I want you to see that breakdown because it'd be easy to lump all that into one thing and say it's one thing, but it's not one thing. How is brotherly affection different from love? Go ahead and tease that out for yourself, okay? How, how is, is self-control and endurance different? You know, how is endurance different from godliness? You see, every one of those things that Peter names right there, here's what I want you to understand. Peter had to learn these things. Peter had to, in his relationship with Jesus, had to engage in, in this transformation of who he was. Folks, I've told you, and I say it jokingly, but I'm serious. If you ever are in a situation and Bobby shows up, it's a bad day. Because I will tell you, first and foremost, Bobby looks out for Bobby. If it hadn't been for Jesus changing who I am, making a difference in the way I behave and the choices I make and the attitudes I hold. You see, I've told you, if Bobby shows up, it's bad. If Jesus shows up, you might have a good day with, with, with me. See, thing is, is that God has given us and poured into us his divine power. And in as much as it's uh, uh, within our choices and actions and attitudes, these are the things we've got to grab hold of. These are the things we've got to pursue. So let's take a little test. Hello. You know, I, I've told you all about, um, I can't, J. Terry Young was one of my seminary professors. Every theology class we walked into with J. Terry, he'd say, take out a half sheet of paper, number it one to ten. Because the day before, he had just assigned like 300 pages of some theological something or another, and he was going to pick 10 questions out of 300 pages. I'm going to go ahead and tell you, I told him that was unfair. Right? Because my office was across the hall from Dr. Young's office. But think about it. Faith. Remember what it said in verse 1. To those that God has gathered to himself who have a faith equal to ours. Our faith is equal to Peter's. So add to your faith goodness. All right. Shall we give you a sliding scale? How good are we? Are you better than Paul? Paul said the very best I have to offer is filthy rags. I've told you before about our rag bag at our house. You didn't wipe your face with those rags. They were nasty. Right? Add to goodness knowledge. Get to know God better. Get to know the ways of God better. 
Get to know those attributes and characteristics, those things that only God can do. I want to know Him better every day. Somebody took a, you know, it's, it's been funny to me. The first time somebody took a picture of this building with that, that uh, rainbow over it. It was a cool picture. I thought, man, somebody captured that. You know, there have been like three or four of them since then. People get the, somehow the ocean and the, and, the, and the rainbow thing and the atmosphere and all. Somebody over yonder in, that, in those, those townhouses, that neighborhood over there, they got a picture this week of, of, of the gathering with a rainbow over it. Y'all know what a rainbow really stands for? It stands for God's promise. God's promises. Precious promises. Okay? Self-control. Boy, do we live in a world that's lost this concept. Why, why control myself? You know, it started in... A, I'm going to blame it on the 60s, though I know it was around before then. But there was a, a, a kind of this philosophy of the 60s that said, throw off all restraint. Make sure whatever you do, you're pleasing yourself. You're entertaining yourself. Man, the world has lost the concept of self-control. Add to self-control endurance, perseverance. Keep running the race. You see? Keep going, keep going, keep going. You know, Nick ran a race yesterday, him and Angela. They, they did a thing. Now, I'd never, in all the years I ran marathons, I would never do this for two reasons, and I'll tell them to you. They had to run, swim, bike, swim, run, right? Or was swimming first? All right, swim, run, bike, run, swim. <clears throat> okay, I can handle legs two and four. But the swimming and the biking part, no, I'll crash or drown one or the other. But Nick said to me this morning, he said, well, he said, I didn't bike as hard as I could have because I was afraid my legs would give out in the last run and swim. And I was like, yeah, you don't, yeah. Running, go fall down. You're not going to get badly hurt, but stop swimming. You got a problem, Right? endurance run the race to the end Paul uses that sort of that sort of imagery that we run toward the finish line we don't stop midway we don't quit because guess what no you can't do it by yourself you can't do it in and of yourself but God has poured his power in you and you can run it to the end See, um, let's see, uh, godliness, endurance. All right, godliness, you know, that just kind of goes hand in hand with God's command in Deuteronomy. And Jesus repeated it when he said, be holy as I am holy. We're supposed to portray, not, not simply as a show for the world, but we're supposed to live out the characteristics of God. In our life, we can't be holy as God is holy, but we can certainly 
live out characteristics that point to God. That's what He's called us to do. Life's tough. But God has given us great and precious promises, okay? Then He goes on to say godliness with brotherly affection. See, y'all did that in the aisles a minute ago. Hey, I hadn't hugged your neck in a year and three months. Right? Just a brotherly affection, but there's something deeper than brotherly affection, and that is love. The kind of love that puts another person before you. I like it, that. What's precious? Grandkids. See, I don't have that. I don't know that that's true, right? Because I don't have it. I don't experience that as precious. Now, I got a wife. Thank you, Will, and, and, and Louie and Benny. I mean, I got a wife. And indeed, she is precious. As a matter of fact, I'll say to her, I'll say, Hey, precious. And she'll go, My precious. There you go, John. Right? The whole Hobbit reference. Right? She's precious to me. She is valuable to me. I love her. So listen to this, verse 8, and I'm going to read all the way to the end of the passage now. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being useless or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. The person who lacks these things is blind and short-sighted and has forgotten the cleansing from his past sins. Therefore, brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election Because if you do these things, you will never stumble. For in this way, entry into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will be richly provided for you. Last point. Don't fall down. Don't stumble in living out your faith, folks. God has given us everything we need. problem is we don't access it we don't reach for it we get distracted we get entertained we reach for something else we we go back to 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 you know entertaining ourselves and forgetting that we need to be growing in our knowledge of god if i've got spare time i need to be studying god if i got spare time i need to be hanging out with god people god's people you see uh, as a youth pastor Many, many years ago, kids would come into my office and they would say, you know, it, it's tough being a Christian. i go, yeah. They'd say, I'm just struggling in my faith. Now, I'm going to let y'all in on something. I've been, a, I've been a youth pastor. I've been a worship pastor. I've been an administrative pastor. I've been an education pastor. And, and then I've been a jack of all trades. It's the same with kids and adults. There is a struggle to walk the path that God's given us to walk. But God has given us everything we need to walk it. I would tell young people, what do you listen to? Pretty much in the 90s. What do you listen to? Man, I get a whole list of musics and titles and stuff like that. I go, okay. Well, what do you read? I don't read. Okay, what do you watch? Right. What do you watch on TV? What do you watch? Well, back then we didn't have all the streaming that we have now. What do you watch? What are you pouring into yourself? 
Who do you hang out with? Who are your encouragers? Who's the iron in your life that's working to sharpen you? So I don't care if you're young people or adults. Answer those questions for yourself. God has given you everything you need to live life and godliness. Are you accessing it? See, I used to tell kids, you know, it was an illustration I used teaching young people one time. I held up a sponge in front of them and I squeezed it. Nothing came out. You know why? I hadn't put anything in it. But I had a bucket and I took that sponge and I dumped it in that bucket and I let it get absolutely full of water. And then I picked it up and ruined the carpet. I squeezed it and it just flooded water out of that sponge. So do you know what the difference was? It's what you put in it. It's what you put in it. What are you pouring? God's pouring His Spirit into you. What are you allowing to fill you? See that? Great and precious promises. Man, God's given us great and precious promises. Pray with me. God, thank you. Thank you again for today. Thank you again for loving us. And God, thank you for showing yourself to us. God, for coming personally to save us. For taking the beating and the cross and the death so that I wouldn't have to. God, thank you for giving to me as only a heavenly, perfect daddy can the great and precious promises of life, godliness, abundance. God, help me by your Spirit to put on the self-control and the godliness and the endurance and the, <coughs> the brotherly affection and the love. God, help me. <coughs> help me to add those things in my life so that I can love those around me, so that I can show others what it means to have life in you. God, thank you. <laughs> thank you for great and precious promises. God, just help me to live them. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.